1: Well, welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are honored that you've chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. wanna welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful to have you with us. And a big shout out to all of those in Prescott Valley this morning. So grateful for you as well. If you're a newcomer with us, so glad you are with us. You are joining us in week three of what we're calling Excel. And this is a launch into a two-year initiative, a discipleship journey where we are as a church uh, deciding that we're gonna grow as better disciples of Jesus in order to fuel our ability to make more disciples of Jesus. And so we are grateful that you are here and as are a part of that with us today. Uh, how many of you got your books with you today? Brought your workbook? Okay, go ahead and grab those. If you don't have one of these, uh, go ahead and just raise your hand. We have some ushers in the back and they would love to grab one of these for you, to hand one of these to you. So these uh, are workbooks that go along with this series. So in it, you'll find some place to take sermon notes. You'll find out all about the vision. If you've missed out on some of the vision stuff that, that launched this season for us, you can find it on your app. You can find it on the website. We highly encourage you to go look at that but you'll find some of the details of the Excel vision uh, right here in this book. So you can uh, glance through that as well. But if you got your book, uh, go ahead and grab those. We'll be on page 33 in your book. If you just have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8. Because in this Text in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, which we are utilizing for this Excel journey. We are leaning into what the Apostle Paul is teaching to the Church of Corinth as he invites them into this generosity initiative. He's inviting them into this project that he's uh, trying to create to leverage their resources for people they will likely never meet, which makes it perfect ground for us as we walk into this journey together. So again, each of these weeks kind of build off. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the last two, Uh, but today we're picking up in verse 10. And here's what Paul says, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. And this matter he's talking about is the matter of collecting an offering that he's going to then give to the Jewish brothers and sisters back in Jerusalem. He says, last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So Paul had came and give the vision for this initiative a year before, and when he shared this vision with the church, they were excited about it. They, they were the first to give to it, and they were the first to have a desire to continue to give. They weren't manipulated. They weren't coerced. They wanted to do it. They were committed to it. No one made them, and Paul's writing them this letter, and in it, he is encouraging them now to follow through with that commitment. Now finish the work. You said you wanted to do it. You committed to do it. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Now, again, they were presented with this ministry opportunity. They were eager, eager, eager willingness. They were excited. They wanted to do it. But there's this thing that happens in all of us. Sometimes as time goes by, our passion for the things that we've committed to do, it can sometimes wane. Isn't that true? Like The moment... You sign up to do the thing. You know it's the right thing to do. You want to do it. But then we walk away and we get distracted. In the moment, we know what the right thing is. But later on, we get this pull to do what's comfortable instead of what is right. And we do this all the time in all sorts of areas in our life. We've done it with our diets. Like in the moment, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to do it over this summer. I'm going to do it. We do it with our budget. We do it with a workout routine. We do it with a spiritual discipline plan. We do it with a volunteer role. We do it when we know there's gotta be a shift in our parenting, you and your husband or you and your wife, you sit down and you say, we gotta do this different. Like we gotta stop doing that. We gotta start doing this we we do it with our bedtime routine for our kids. We got to get them on a schedule. We got to do this thing. maybe we be a bedtime routine for us. Like you got to put down the phone, right? You just got to do it. You know you're supposed to do it and you've committed. I'm going to do it every night, 9:15. I'm going to do it. And then you then you don't. We have these moments where we recognize what we really need to do and we say we're going to do and we really want to do. And we start off well and we're motivated and we're inspired. But then we start to lose steam. We still know it's the right thing to do. We still know we should be doing it. Deep down, we really want to do it because we know it's what's best. But but then there's that moment where we we begin to trade what we really want for what we really want now. We give in to the easy instead of the right, and we operate out of our comfort instead of out of our convictions. And so Paul takes them back a year before and says, hey, do you remember? This is what you committed to do. This is what you were made to do. Nobody made you do it. It's what you wanted to do. And now he's He's trying to do for them what we all sometimes need, and that is somebody to remind us to finish what we've started. And that's what Paul's doing. But here's what I know. When it comes to generosity, specifically generosity, sometimes the eager willingness or the desire isn't enough in and of itself. Sometimes when it comes to generosity, desire, it isn't enough. Because here's what I know. Many of you have a desire to be generous, but you can't be generous in the way that you want to be. You just can't. And it's not because of decisions you're making now in your life, but it's because of decisions you've made years ago. Like your heart is telling you, yes, 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 give, give, give. And MasterCard's saying, yes, 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 pay, pay, pay. And only one of those masters gets to win. You have this desire to give, but your priorities have been so off for so long that you aren't in a position to be nearly as generous as you would like to be. I'm not sure if you heard, but just over the last few weeks, the credit card debt in America topped a trillion dollars. Credit card debt in America topped a trillion dollars. I don't know if you know how big a trillion is. A trillion is a thousand billions. That's how big a trillion is. A trillion is a million millions. That's how big a trillion is. Like that's a lot of money. And for the first time, we topped a trillion dollars just in credit card debt. That's not what you owe to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. It's not what you owe on your mortgage. It's not what you owe to Ford Financial. It's just credit cards. Like, and here's the thing. Every time we go into debt, we are spending money we haven't even made yet. That's the very definition of debt. We're spending money we don't even have yet, which means that our, not only are we not be able to be generous in this moment, we're actually precluding ourselves from being generous later with money that we will get later because we've already spent it. That's the reality for so many of us. It isn't that we don't want to be generous. It's that we've put ourselves in a position where we can't be nearly as generous as we want to be. So how do we fix that? We do have an option that we want to share with you guys. This is something that we've done as a church. Lots of churches do this. Dave Ramsey has a course that we call. That he calls financial peace. And this is an opportunity to help you refocus. And reprioritize what you're doing with your finances. It does not undo what has been done for years. But it can set you on a path to do something new. To begin. To begin starting today to reprioritize your finances, to to try to wipe out as much of the bad decisions that you've made so that you can be generous later in a way that you can not be generous now. And we are willing to pay for half of this for you. We want you to do this. If you're in this position where you need some help to undo some priorities that you've lived under, we want to help. And so we're going to be offering this Starting, I think, in October first. Okay, October first. So it's coming up really soon. During this nine thirty hour on both campuses, so you can come to the eight or stay for the eleven and and participate in financial peace right during this nine thirty hour. And I hope that you will do that. Let's get back to our text. So Paul says, "Now finish." The work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. And then I want you to focus on these four words, according to your means, according to your means, like here's the big takeaway for today. If you don't write anything else down, if you still got a blank page, here's what I want you to write down in big, bold letters. This is your takeaway for the day. Generosity is measured not by amounts, but by means. Generosity is measured not by amounts, but by means. Like you cannot, you cannot determine if someone is generous or not just by knowing how much they give. You have to know how much they keep. That's the only way to judge generosity. Let me try to spell it out this way. If my son who's 11 years old, one of my sons is 11 years old. If he walks up and he gives you $100, you can bet he is being really really generous. That's really generous. If I gave you $100, that's not as generous. It's just not. If LeBron James walks up and gives you a $100, that that may be nice, but I don't think we would call that overly generous. If just Bezos walks up and gives you $100, you should just know that for every second that it took him to get that $100 out of his pocket, his net worth went up $2,500, okay? That's just the reality. You have to judge generosity not by the amount, but by the means. Not by just what is given, but by what is left. He continues, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Again, generosity is measured not by the amount, but by the means. The good news in this verse is that you don't have to have a lot of money to be a generous person because your generosity is not just measured by how much you give, it's measured by what is left. You can be generous and your gift is acceptable according to what you have, not by what you don't have, okay? So this verse, the good news is you don't have to have a lot to be generous. The bad news is you can give a lot and not be generous. You can give a lot, And that doesn't make you generous. Paul is saying, if you want to know how generous someone is, don't look at what they give, look at what is left. The question is, where did Paul get this kind of definition for generosity? And the answer is, he got it from Jesus. You may remember the story. Jesus goes to the temple and he's sitting there in the temple courts where the offerings are being taken at the temple, and he's just observing. And here's what the text says. Jesus sat down down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she has to live on. So picture this scene. Jesus is sitting there. He's sitting across from where the offering is, which are these big metal. They've got a big funnel on the top and a box on the bottom. And you can just imagine how much racket these offerings would create. These big metal funnels. And this was before people were writing checks or swiping a debit card or even had paper money. It was all coinage. So he's sitting there and some rich people are coming in and they're dumping in all of these coins and they're banging and clanging as they're going down the funnel and clud as they hit the bottom of the box. And Jesus is seemingly unfazed. He's just sitting there watching. And he sees this little widow woman and she walks in and nobody pays attention to her. The text says she drops in, It says two copper coins, it's actually two leptus. They're literally like shavings of coins. And when she takes those two shavings and she puts them on the rim of the funnel and they slide down, they would make almost no noise as they dink at the bottom. And it was that that caused Jesus to get up and to call the disciples over. I don't know where they're at or what they're doing, but he's like, hey, hey, guys, get over here. Come here, come here, get over here. Let me show you. See that lady over there? See her? You're not going to believe this, boys. She put in more than in the treasury than all the others. Like, (laughs) hang on. No, she didn't. She, but she didn't. You see that guy over there? Like, I heard his offering from 50 yards away. She didn't put in more than that guy. I watched it. Like, he had two servants carrying the bags. But you don't understand. They gave out of their wealth. In other words, there's a lot more where that came from. But she, out of her poverty, put in what? What did she put in? She put in. We can do better than that. It's on the screen and in English. Put in everything. She she put in everything. Because again, again, generosity is not measured by amounts. It's measured by the means. They put in a small percentage. She put in 100% which is why she gave more because the more isn't just about the dollars. It's about the sacrifice. And her sacrifice was far greater than all the other sacrifice. Paul is using the same measuring stick in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has not according to what one does not have. Our generosity is not measured by how much we give. Generosity is measured by how much we give in accordance to how much we have. And this reality should be a huge encouragement for those of you with meager means. And it should be a giant wake-up call for those of us with abundant means. Which is why, if you've been around, as we've been talking about this Excel initiative, that we're doing it as a one fund instead of a two fund. In other words, all of the money is going into the same pot, not two separate funds. Okay? And there's a reason for that. Because I believe it is the most honoring way to conduct a generosity initiative. Because now everybody gets to participate. Every gift is included. It all helps us to reach our goal. My guess is many of you have been a part of a church that's trying to do a capital improvement or doing some kind of fundraising, and they will say, hey, we need you to keep giving to the general fund over here. Keep doing what you're doing over here. But what we really need is for you to give over here to this campaign thing that we're doing. And then we set up a thermometer out in the lobby, and what is it that we celebrate in the thermometer? Only the stuff that's given over here. The thermometer's tracking the building fund, and that's fine. We've done that. But what about the person who was already giving sacrificially everything they could before you ever asked for the extra? What about the person who's giving to the general fund, and they are sacrificing all that they can, and there really isn't anything to go above and beyond with? In that scenario, then their gift isn't celebrated. Their gift isn't included. Their generosity isn't talked about when we're reaching our goal. Their sacrifice is actually kind of taken for granted. We think all of the gifts ought to be included. We are one church. We have one mission. And we have one fund to, to make those initiatives come to life. And and. All of the money that is given to Quad City over the next two years will be counted and celebrated to help us reach our goal. Let me try to make this personal for you for just a moment. Um, As many of you know, my mother lives in my basement. She She has her own door, so she can come out. Many of you have met her, even if you didn't know it, she's a white-haired lady who often stands at Connection Central and got a hillbilly accent. So that's that's my mom. We built her an apartment in the, the lower ha- half of our house, and she's been living with us for about six years. And she worked in factories back in Kentucky her entire life. My whole childhood, she worked in factories. And if you've ever done that kind of work, you know how hard that kind of work Can be, And she just didn't make a lot of money. In fact, this summer, my 17-year-old son made more per hour mowing grass at a golf course than my mother did with 20 years of seniority being the lead on a line at a factory. Like, it's nutty where income has gone. And when it comes to matters of faith, my mother would readily admit there were a lot of things that she got wrong. There was one thing that I would say that she did get right. She was always generous. She always gave. She always gave to God through the church, even when we weren't necessarily going to church. She gave in the good times and in the bad times. She was always generous, even though she didn't have much. And now all she has is her social security check, and it isn't much. It is not near enough to live on your own in this community, but yet she continues to give faithfully off of her social security check every month. And I know she is already giving above 10% of that social security check. There just isn't much left. And if I stood up here and I said, hey, whatever it is you're giving over here, I need you to keep doing that. But what's really important is for you to give over here and all of a sudden, she, she doesn't get to play to a very high level. The reality is her participation wouldn't be that great. Because she's already sacrificing. And her generosity would likely be ignored which is why we've said from the beginning, the primary goal for this initiative is 100% engagement. We want everybody to take a step in their generosity. We want everybody who calls Quad City their church to be a part of this two-year generosity initiative. And every dollar that is committed and given over the next two years will be counted and celebrated and will help us to fulfill the mission to make more disciples of Jesus as we become better disciples of Jesus. Paul continues, "Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. There might be equality. The goal is equality. Equality of what? Was well, again, it's not equality of money. We've already addressed that. He says it's equality. Uh, it wants you to give according to your means, and not everybody's means are equal. So it's not equality of." Of money, it's equality of sacrifice. Again, he's using the same metric that he learned from Jesus, that that it isn't about what is given that makes a person generous. It's about what's left. It's equality of sacrifice. But here's the question. How do you know when your giving crosses the threshold and enters into sacrificial giving? How do you know? How do you know when your giving becomes sacrificial? I love how Tim Dunsing, one of our elders here, puts it. He said, uh, you, you know, your giving is sacrificial when it hurts a little bit. Like it ought to pinch a little bit. To give sacrificially, it ought to hurt a little. There was another pastor, a guy named David Platt, who put it this way. He says, you aren't really giving until you are giving up. And I think he's right. You aren't really giving until you are giving up. It ought to cost us something. Like that is the very definition of a sacrifice. It costs us something. Maybe it cost us the car we wanted to buy. Maybe it cost us the vacation we wanted to take. Maybe it cost us the renovation we wanted to do. Maybe it costs us an early retirement we were looking forward to. Maybe it cost us a hobby we really enjoy. Maybe it cost us a level of security because now all of my savings have dropped below a level that I am comfortable with. If it doesn't cost us anything, can you really call it a sacrifice? You have your books. You can be reminded that that we're our goal is to secondary goal is that we would somehow be able to raise fourteen point five million to fund four mission initiatives over the next two years. Again, you can read all about them in the book. And here's what I know: for us to get there, it is going to take equal sacrifice from all of us. Like we've been sharing this vision with people in different arenas for about eight or nine months. Some of you have heard some of this stuff going back to February and you're like, I am so sick of hearing about Excel. And we're people beside you just hearing it today for the first time. But as we've shared this, there are are two reactions that concern me a little bit. As we've rolled this out over the last eight months, Two reactions that scare me. The first one is when people hear it and say, well, that's impossible. Well, that's impossible. Well, what do we give? What do people give now? And what, what is it going to take for? Oh, we can't. There's no way. The second that concerns me is when people hear it and say, well, that's easy. Like both of these concern me a little bit because both of these reactions is a way for us to give ourselves an out. Because We say, Well, that's impossible, it's a foolish endeavor, and I'm too wise to put my money into foolish endeavor. So, peace out. The other is, Well, that's easy. I mean, I look around, I realize what the median income it is in Prescott. I see how many people we have in our church to do the math, because you're going to carry the one. Oh, well, of course, we can do that. And there's this thing in us that says, I don't really have to sacrifice for us to do that because we've got so many people, it'll get done whether I participate or not, and it's a way for us to give ourselves an out. And I just want you to know, both of these mindsets are wrong. It is possible. And it won't be easy. It will take all of us being willing to sacrifice equally. Because this is a big goal. The only way that we are going to be able to achieve this goal. Is if a hundred percent of the people who call Quad City their church home. Participate. But not just participate. Engage. Equally. In their sacrifice. Writing to the church of Corinth, Paul says, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal, the goal is equality. As it is written, the one who has gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. There's going to be enough to go around if everybody sacrifices. That's what he says. The goal is equality. Everybody should engage. Everybody should give. Everybody should sacrifice. No one should give it all and no one should give nothing. But everyone should give sacrificially because we all have a desire to see the kingdom of God advance. And we know that at the end of the day, what we want to hear more than anything else is when we stand before our maker, we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because we stewarded the resources our Father gave us well. So, here's a question I have for you today. Has your sacrificial giving kept up with your means? Has your sacrificial giving kept up with your means? For many of us, it's easy to give sacrificially when we don't have much. Because what do we have to lose? If you don't have much, you don't have much... To lose, but as we are given more, as our income goes up, as our investment accounts grow, as our resources increase in value, it becomes easy for us to give more and sacrifice less. All the data tells us the more money one has, the less generous one is. You need to hear that. All of the data says the more money one has, the less generous one is. You can go check the Googles. The internet don't lie. Every study out there, there's something in us that that we buy, we tell ourselves a lie. If I had more money, if I had more resources, I would be more generous. But that's just a lie. It just does not play out that way in real life. The more you have, the more likely you are to keep. That's what all the data tells us across the board. And I get it. And I think you do too. Let me, let me try to play it out for us this way. Think about your income and think about your giving, okay? If I, if I gave you $10 and I said, hey, would you mind giving back a dollar? Of course you would. Yeah, a dollar. What's one dollar out of ten dollars? Here's one dollar. I'll keep the ten. Here's here's I'll keep nine. You have to. What's one dollar? Nobody cares. You'd give the dollar up. If I gave you a hundred dollars and said, "Hey, actually, can I have ten of it back?" Sure, of course. Ten dollars out of a hundred. What's ten bucks? Even if I gave you a thousand and said, "Hey, can I have a hundred? It's a you asked me to give you a hundred dollars. Now we're now that that uh, that's a little little uh, that's gonna take a little more strain, but okay, a hundred dollars, I'll give a hundred dollars. Well, what if it's ten thousand? and I say, hey, can you give me a thousand? you want wait what you want me to give you a thousand dollars? I mean a thousand that's a lot of money like a thousand I can do a lot with a thousand dollars. I can fill up my tank if I want I mean I can. A lot of money. Like you're a thousand dollars. That's, I could do something with a thousand dollars. I mean, it, that stretches you a little bit to think about giving away a thousand dollars. Let's ramp it up. You got a hundred thousand dollars. Hey, can you give ten thousand of that? Ten thousand dollars? Like ten, that's a lot of money. Writing a check and just giving away a five figure Writing a five-figure check and just giving it away? Ooh, that, you're asking a lot. That is a huge sacrifice. Now, let's go one step further. A million dollars. Imagine, some of you don't have to imagine, you have resources of over a million dollars. You have assets of over a million dollars. Imagine somebody saying, hey, would you give $100,000 of those resources away? 100000 are you kidding me? You want me to give six fi- six figures away like like I could buy a two extra cars I could go on dream vacations I could I mean I could take this $100,000 and put it in savings and leverage that for a million dollars in the next do you realize what you're asking I could put two kids in college if one of them ain't that smart and's going to community college I like This is like legacy giving for my grandchildren, $100,000. Like we get down to this point and it's like, are you, like that hurts. That would be a huge, like it would sting for us to write that check. Like that's a huge deal. I mean, I hear this from people like that's just too much money to give away. I guess too much. In fact, I don't even know if the church is wise enough to be trusted with these kind of resources. I think I should probably, I would be a better steward of this than my church. So I should, I should just keep this and leverage these myself as opposed to give them away and trusting somebody. Like this is just, it's just too much to give. It's just too much. And I've always found it interesting that we'd look at this column and we'd say, that's too much to give without ever looking at this column and saying, that's too much to keep.
0: We never look at this and say, that's too much for me to spend. We never look at this and say, that's too much
1: for me to save. We look over here and say, that's too much to give. We have no problem with saying This is too much for me to keep. That's a heart issue for us. This is why as the income goes up, giving almost always goes down. It just does. So here's my question for you. Which has grown with your means? Your standard of living or your standard of giving? as your means have grown which has gone up more as your means have grown the percentage you've given or the percentage you have kept the reality is for many of us even though we are giving more than we've ever given the sacrifice the sacrifice that giving reflects is smaller than it's ever been the check may be bigger But the pinch is smaller because there's a whole lot more where that came from. Again, generosity isn't measured by amounts. It's measured by our means. And what the Lord is looking for isn't that we all give equal amounts. But he is calling us to all give with equal sacrifice. And I hope you will. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful that your word stabs at the idols in us. And where it is that we feel the pain, we know you are working on us to chisel away things that are not of you. And so I pray that you would stir up in us a level of generosity that reflects your generosity. That our sacrifice would be a reflection of your sacrifice. So we do it cheerfully and eagerly and willingly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.